Good morning, everyone. When I woke up this morning, I was going through a checklist as I got my paperwork here, water bottle, got my glasses, have pants on. So I think I'm ready. Um, so the last couple of years, it's been a very difficult season for all of us. And it's been a very difficult season for my family as well. We went through a lot of hardship, financial loss. We, um, I lost my job. I was injured a couple times. And as we saw COVID rip through our lives and the lives of our loved ones, it was, uh, it was very difficult to deal with, with the uncertainty. And with hardship, I believe that um, sorry. Uh, God comes into our lives in certain ways. And through my schooling and through personal uh, devotion and prayer, I found that uh, it eased the uncertainty and the fear wasn't so great. And N.T. Wright, just learning this, oh, okay. N.T. Wright explains, there are many ways of praying the Psalms. There are styles to suit all tastes. The Psalms represent the Bible's spiritual root system for the great tree we call Christianity. You don't have to have a green thumb to know what will happen to the fruit on a tree if the roots are not in good condition. And Kevin stated last week about his neighbor's hedges, about plants can flourish even if you don't see what is underground. And like him, my knowledge of gardening is very limited. But what I do know is that hedges, plants need a strong root system. And it's the same for us. We need a strong root system planted in Scripture and a strong, deep-rooted faith in Jesus Christ. We need to bear the fruits of His Spirit with outward action that result from the inward condition of our hearts. And like me, right now, we are feeling fear and anxiety. Lots of uncertainty in our lives. And I feel that fear is surrounding all of us every day because ultimately we're living in a fearful society. And even though we are surrounded by fear, we have comfort knowing that we are also surrounded by God. We can feel the, his holy presence upon us. So we have two very influential things that are surrounding us. We have fear and we have God. And what is one thing that can bring these two re realities together? What is one thing that can bring us before the mercy of God? And as I bring them together, you could probably guess prayer. And prayer can bring us together by changing the way we think. Prayer can bring us together and purify our hearts and change our relationship with God. It gives us a chance to feel hope and comfort while trusting in Him. Prayer is so powerful, but if you're anything like me, I tend to forget about it. Sometimes when I do pray, I end up praying for all the wrong reasons. You see, when you correctly pray to God, he will give us what we need to deal with the challenges in life. God will help us 
along and guide us on the path that he wants us to be on. A great example within scripture is one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 56. I'll get this going, don't worry. <laughs> um, psalm 56 states, Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me. I am boldly, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They are always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, O oh God, bring them down. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will help when I call for you to when I call to you for help. This I know. God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I fulfill my vows to you, O God, and I will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death, you have kept my feet from slipping, so now I can walk in your presence, O God in your life-giving light. So, before I continue, I'm going to give you a quick background of where David was in this psalm. And we have David who pens this psalm. He is in a very bad state right now. He is in a very, very bad way. He is forced into a corner by the people that are uh, accusing him. His hands are tied, and the reason why he's in this situation is because he's running from Saul. And as we know, the story about David and Goliath, they, uh, he was afraid for his life, sorry, I got off track, uh, not safe in his own land. And he leaves a city of persecution to actually go into another city of persecution, which is the city of Gath. And how many times have you fled a situation to end up in another situation that you're like, why am I here? What have I done? This isn't any better. And uh, David recognizes um, that he is in a bad situation. And he's sitting in the city of Gath. And the people that want to kill him recognize him. So they confront David. And David to protect himself, to save his life, he starts acting crazy. He's acting like he has some mental issues. And when they see that David is a very good actor, maybe he was a little crazy, I'm not sure, but he, uh, they put him outside the gate. And at this moment, Psalms 56 was created. David was in a really, really dark place. And I think that 
if I was David at that point, I would have been in a very dark place as well. I would have been in a dark place. I would have been emotionally and physically drained. And I know David killed uh, Goliath, and they sing a song about him right now, about Saul killed a thousand, but David killed 10,000. And David is a mighty warrior. He is anointed to be the next king of Israel. And when you're in enemy territory and you have nobody to back you, you feel lost. And you're probably not going to beat their army. You're not going to beat the enemy. So physically, David is struggling. And mentally, I believe he was struggling as well. And he has thousands of questions going on in his head. He's asking himself, how did I get into this position? What's going to happen? Am I going to be able to flee and still keep my life? How did I get into this dark place? And just asking all these sort of questions. And emotionally, David is lost. And he pleads to God. He says that he's the anointed one through Samuel. And he's going to be the next king. So how did I get into this position? And how am I going to walk according to my purpose? So I believe all these questions are going through his head. And when you have these questions going through your head, it brings hopelessness. And David, right now in that situation in the city of Gath, fearing his life, he feels hopeless. And, and uh, so he starts the prayer as, Oh God, have mercy on me. And he asks God for mercy because there's nobody out there that would give him this mercy. He is, his foes are attacking him all day. He's twisting, his words are being twisted. He's being slandered. He's being hounded by everybody. He cannot find mercy anywhere. He needs somebody that will listen. He needs somebody that will give him the mercy that he's asking. And he's looking for someone just to understand his hurt. Because at this moment, he's hopeless. He's hurting and he needs a way out. And David is definitely in this state of hopelessness. And I love how the passage switches around and goes from David to be hopeless to trusting. And he says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And being afraid doesn't mean you have to run away from God, but you actively engage God in your life. <clears throat> you put more trust in God. And like David, you may not have put yourself in that position, you may have put yourself in that position, but you need to know that God is always on your side. And when David put his full trust in the Lord, and he knows that he will find a way out, and he knows that Saul can't harm him, he knows that the Philistines can't harm him in the city of Gath, he knows that he's safe in the boundaries of God. So he says, what can mere mortals do to me? Your first thought when I read, or my first thought when I read that was, they're going to kill you. They're going to arrest you. They're probably going to torture you. And they're going to kill you, uh, David. What are you thinking? But when you're afraid of a person and someone who has wronged you, 
as David did, we put our trust in Christ. And when we do, the fear gets smaller. It doesn't mean that the fear disappears. It doesn't mean it's not there. It means that we have a place to put our fear. And as Matthew states, don't be afraid of those who kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. For only God can destroy both soul and body in hell. And David echoes the same statement, what can mere mortals do to me, in verse 11. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? And as, we, as I said, that nothing can harm David at this point. Because he's saved through, the, uh, through Jesus Christ, the Almighty Protector. Every day we wake up and we put on the armor of God. We need to focus on God's protection rather than the situation that's breaking us down. We turn our attention to the one who gives us grace and mercy. So in verse 8 it says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. I think this is very weird. This is very uh, different from what we see David as. I see David as this warrior, this elite person, this strong guy that took down Goliath, that was three times as big as him, and scared the Philistines. And because the Philistines, Philistines were scared, they wanted him, and it made Saul really envious. And it just sent a shockwave through Israel at that point. So, when we think of strength and David, we don't really think about tears. But in Scripture, David mentioned tears and how he shed tears all the time. And he acknowledges that God keeps this record of every tear that he shed. And when I was growing up, I always heard, strong men don't cry. If you cry, it shows weakness. And my kids, one time, I told them that I cried. And William looked at me, he's like, Dad, you're strong, you never cry. And I had to let him know that there's times in my life where I do cry. Like if I'm in the shower and the burden is just so heavy on me, I have tears. I'm sitting in my vehicle as I pull into the driveway before I come into the house. I've had a tough work day. I cry. And it's okay to cry. And the point I'm trying to make is that David shows us that crying represents strength. It represents strength within. And David uses the power of his tears and his emotions to put his trust in God. And God, we know that God will find a way out. It doesn't matter if we're crying or not. It doesn't matter what's happening in our life. We need to put our trust in God so that He finds that way out for us. God will heal the pain that's causing us to break down emotionally, physically. And I feel hopeless at times, as probably many of you do. I feel sad. And the feeling is, of fear is so great. The 
feeling of anxiety and uncertainty is way too much on our hearts. And we end up emotionally drained and lost. And we end up crying. And I think it's a way for our body to say, I've had enough. And I need that release. And I'm not physically and mentally strong enough to handle what I'm going through without you, God. Without his presence. And we need to sometimes just submit to the Lord and let it all out. Just go onto our knees and say, Lord, I need you at this moment. And what's comforting is that God sees those tears. He keeps track of every single tear that you cry. Whether it's in the privacy of your own home, whether you're trying to hide it from your spouse or your kids, <laughs> um, he keeps track of it. He sees everything. And our, I believe our tears is a form of prayer. When we have nothing else to say, when we can't express those in words. It is a way to ask God to have mercy when we're at our deepest and darkest moments. When we are being overrun by every weakness, and our weakness is prevailing over top of our strength, we must bow down and we must invite the Holy Spirit upon us. Romans 8.26 says, The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed by words. And I love that David just reminds us that God keeps track of these tears. And that when we continue to praise him, he gives us what he promised us. In Psalm, last part of the Psalms, it, state, it talks about vows and sacrifices uh, and walking in the presence of you, God, in your life-giving light. So when we're at a state of hopelessness, something tells us deep down, something in the back of our head says, pray and trust in Lord that he will guide us on the path that he wants us to be on. He reminds us that he understands our tears. That nothing can separate us from him. But then he also reminds us that we need to be consistent. We need to be consistent in our prayer. To walk with our brothers and sisters in Christ. To build the community revolving around Jesus. And when we do that, David says, at this very moment, when you are messed up and you're full with fear and this burden is too great for you to handle, that we still need to give our vow to God. We want to still give Him His offerings. Why? Because as David puts, His feet has not failed Him. And you have me walking in the light of life. And we need to know that we need to be consistent in the walk with Jesus. I will, and he says, I will make sure I give praise in prayer because he is trusting in God. 
Faith and trust is very critical in the elements of uh, David's prayer. And they can be for us, and they can be for everyone. David reminds us that prayer is not a suggestion, but a necessity in our faith. David prays and he leaves his prayer. When he leaves prayer, he leaves his faith built up. And personally, I need to come out of prayer the same way that David did. With my faith built up. It is, the, it is in prayer that fear and anxiety becomes manageable. It is manageable through the love and grace of God. The, when you enter prayer, is your faith built up? I feel that sometimes it's a struggle when, with Christians when we don't feel prayer is working. Uh, I just finished praying and I feel that we want that instant gratification when it comes to prayer. We come out and we're like, where are you, Lord? I just prayed two minutes ago and you haven't answered me. Like, why aren't you listening to me? Where are you? Why isn't anything in my life changing? And we need to come out of prayer knowing that we've done some good, right? We must be able to feel the Holy Spirit moving around and through us. And how often have I emerged from prayer just as burdened as when I went into prayer? And I'm actually embarrassed to say because it's probably more times than not. And not so much anymore. But when I first started praying, it was just like, it just felt like I wasn't doing it right. I didn't feel any different. I still had the weight upon my shoulders. For example, when you're praying, it's like putting money into an investment and not getting anything in return. How long can we sustain this action before we just give up? Hebrews, oh, you didn't put it in there. Hebrews 11, 6 states, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And prayer gives us that opportunity to build up our faith. N.T. Wright mentions that prayer needs to be taught. It's not natural for a lot of us. What I found helpful is praying through the book of Psalms. Prayer, I have prayed a lot in the last couple of years, and I'm sure every one of us has too. Do you turn to God when you're going through trials, when you feel something good happening? I find that a lot of people, they only pray when things are going bad. But we need to acknowledge that He's doing good in our lives as well. And... I'm a praying machine right now, right? I pray for everybody. I, I see a random lady on the street just walking, and I'm like, Lord, make sure this lady gets home safe. A guy cuts me off in traffic, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what his situation is, but have him get home to his family safely. I think you could all relate with this one. When you're in the grocery store, and somebody bumps your cart, and you're like, ah, I pray that he's able to get home safely so he can bring food to his family rather than the opposite. <laughs> and I found myself through all this prayer and all this practice 
that I no longer pray to God for what I think I need, but to give me what he knows I need. And that's more of Jesus. God is the only one that has seen my tomorrow. He is the only one that knows what I need when I get there. And as David did, we must build our faith up and trust in God. I'm like Frank, I don't know how to use technology. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. <laughs> so, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Sometimes I go about my day, like I mentioned, and I see somebody in need. Someone that's way less fortunate than I am. Maybe somebody that hasn't found God. And I pray to, for the Lord to help this person out. And right away I get this strong impression on my heart. And he answers me by saying, why don't you go over there? Why don't you go and help this person out? And right away I'm like, no, not me, Lord. Not me. I'm not doing that. That would require me to step outside of my comfort zone. That would require for me to put myself out there. And God says when you pray, it's not a prayer, or it's not a monologue in prayer, but a dialogue in prayer. It's a dialogue with God, and it's a dialogue with the person that you're praying for. I want you to know that when you pray for it, God may not be sending an answer another way. You might be that answer. So many of us want God to provide an answer and provide an answer that's not, or it's outside of ourselves. And just because we do pray for somebody doesn't mean that our job is done. Like I'll pray for something like, please God, help this family in need. Can you provide food for this family? Because they're in need and they're hungry. And God responds, which a lot of us don't like this answer. Why don't you give them your money? Why don't you take food off your table and put it onto theirs? And we're responding again. That's not what I'm saying, God. I said, would you please provide Dwayne? Not me. Why does it always have to be me? That... And the point I'm trying to make is that we need to be forewarned that prayer is dangerous. We need to be careful for what we pray for because God does not want us to be the ones who just pray. He wants us to be the answers to prayer. I'm going to say that one more time. God doesn't want us to be the ones just to pray. He wants us to be the answers to prayer. And I think a very good place to start is in the book of Psalms. I read recently that even when you're talking, you should talk within Psalms. You should pray within Psalms. Worship. You should pretty much have that book beside you, and when you're at the grocery store, reference it, and then talk to the lady that's bagging your groceries. That's how important Psalms is. I'd like you to just bow your heads as I pray within the Psalms of 56 
and how David did. Heavenly Father, what a joy is it to read through the book of Psalms and discover the jewels of encouragement and the gems of hope. Father, I thank you that you are my God and, you tr and I trust you to bring me through the trials and temptations that I'm facing today. I pray that you would use me as you desire for the greater good of your kingdom. I pray that you give me strength where I am weak. I pray that you give me wisdom when I know no better. I pray that you give me hope when there is only uncertainty. I pray that you use the bottled tears that you have collected to make me more trusting, more faithful to you, Lord. Thank you for the bold declarations of David, whose trust in you was reflected in the courageous words he spoke. I thank you that there is nothing to fear from any man nor my accusers. For you have promised to keep us safe from all the evils that oppose us. Like David, I proclaim in Jesus' name, I shall not be afraid of what mere man can do to me. For in you, God, I put my trust. In your heavenly name we pray before you. Amen.